words will be in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is, in the light, we have fellowship with the one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you for your amazing power and work in our lives. Thank you for your goodness and for your blessings over us. Thank you that you were able to bring hope, even through the toughest times, strengthening us for your purposes. Thank you for your great love and care. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you that you are always with us and will never leave us. Thank you for your incredible sacrifice so that we might have freedom in life. Forgive us for when we do not thank you enough for who you are and for all that you do, for all that you have given us. Help us to set our eyes and our hearts on you fresh. Renew our spirits. Fill us with your peace and joy. We love you and we need you this day and every day. We give you praise and thanks for you are alone worthy. Amen. Amen. Well, we have kids church for the littlest ones, nursery up through second grade, right? So kids, you can go to that or you are welcome to be here. We like the squeaks and squawks and I like it when kids interrupt me, then it gives me a break and get back to my notes. Um, so you can stay or go, either way is good. But I should tell you, it's a little overwhelming being up here. Not the whole, the speaking part, but that too. But seeing all of your faces all at once is a little nuts. Because, you know, I know there's only maybe six of you that I don't know in here, maybe ten. And all of you, God is moving you toward him. And there's, like, struggle and stress and victory, you know, and newlyweds and newborns and illness. And the Lord's in it with all of you. And I can just see it all at once. And we're praying for big fishing, big harvest from the sea. And, like, all that. It's just a little bit much to see you all at once. And I, just because I care about you guys so much. So the Lord is good. He's doing a mighty work in you people. I really am privileged, I guess, to know you all at once. Um, normally, I'm just looking at the back of your heads thinking that. But, uh, okay, we'll get on the road here. So 1 John 1, 5 through 10 is where we are this morning. And I just want to start out by saying my hope is that we will leave here today filled with a sense of awe about God's covenant faithfulness and about the forgiveness that we have in Christ. Because this passage is short and it's dense and it's rhetorically excellent and complicated. So we're just going to walk through it and I'll unpack it phrase by phrase and then we will see how it will change our hearts today. So verse 5, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, 
and in him is no darkness at all. This metaphor is really familiar to us, you know, light versus dark. And I think we kind of all intuitively know that light is good and darkness is evil. But I want you to understand, in God, there's no bad at all. He's only good all the time. And just like darkness can't exist in light, evil has no place in the Lord. Anything not good is absolutely outside of him. And God is purely good. And we can trust him because of that. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if we say we have fellowship with this God who's purely good, but the direction of our lives is bad, we're lying to ourselves and to everybody else. The phrase walk in darkness doesn't mean stumble and struggle with sin from time to time. It means the whole direction of your life is set on promoting evil and achieving evil. It doesn't mean you're walking toward the Lord and you keep stumbling. So if you're only doing terrible, like your purpose is bad, you're not walking in the light. You're lying to yourself and you're not practicing the truth. One interesting thing about this, fra- this passage is that phrase that gets translated, do not practice the truth. Uh, we think of truth as like, a statement's either true or false. Like it's sunny or it's rainy. And so you're either agreeing with it or not agreeing with it. But for John the Apostle, truth is not that. Truth is a much bigger deal for him. The truth that John's talking about here is that Jesus Messiah has come and brought redemption available to the whole world. Like the epoch has changed. It's not something you agree or disagree with. Like the whole purpose of the universe has come. And he has delivered you from slavery, death, and eternal conscious punishment so that you can serve him with joy forever. It's a truth that defines who you are and why you are where you are. It's so you have to practice that truth. It's not, you don't say, oh, I agree or disagree with that. No, it's who you are and why you're here. So that's why you have to practice it. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This verse, if you've been a believer for a long time, you kind of hear it, and it sounds familiar, but it's very surprising. So first, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, the first surprising phrase to me is, we have fellowship with one another. Because you would think if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, right? That's like kind of where your brain goes. But John makes the point, if we're walking in the light with God, we have fellowship this way, with everyone else that's walking 
that way. And it's real fellowship. It's not, yeah, it's real, real fellowship. But here's the other interesting thing about this verse. You, so you're walking in the light. You have fellowship with everyone else who's walking in the light. But you still need to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus, his son, from all your sin. So you're doing the right thing. You're walking in the light. You just assume, oh, I'm in the light. Therefore, I have no sin that needs to be confessed. But that's not what's, what John is telling us. Is that's not what happens. Walking in the light means struggling with sin and being cleansed from that sin. So we can infer there's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't struggle with sin. And John's acknowledging that and saying that that's actually where you want to be, is in the light, struggling with sin, and having fellowship with one another which, that's the definition of what's happening in this room right now. <laughs> like, we're walking in the light, right? We have fellowship with one another, and boy, are we struggling, right? At least I am, and Jed is. <laughs> Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So I spent quite a, time, quite a bit of time on this verse. And I kept coming around to something that's just kind of funny. If we say we have no sin, right, because we're inclined to say that. But the funny thing is, you're the only person who is inclined to believe you have no sin. Like, God knows you're in sin. Everyone around you knows you're in sin, Right? Like your family knows, your coworkers knows, people you just randomly bump into, they see the sin. And you're the only one invested in like thinking that you're not sinful. Anywho, so everybody has sin. And we have a natural tendency to deceive ourselves into thinking that we don't have sin. Or if we do, that it's kind of someone else made me do it or I had a good reason. There's some sort of justification involved. And I was thinking, why is that? Why do we push so hard into this narrative that we are sinless? And I think there's two big reasons. The first one is, at the end of the day, we want to pretend that we are God. This is the sin from the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve wanted to be in charge of choosing what was good and what was evil. And our sin nature wants us like, we want to do that. We want to be able to say what's, what's absolutely right and what's absolutely wrong. But that's a, that's a function of our sin nature. So we need to recognize that and repent from that. The second reason that we want to say we have no sin is so that we can pretend that we can save ourselves. Our sin nature doesn't like the fact that we are utterly and completely dependent on the grace of God for every good thing, including our salvation. And apart from him, we have nothing. And our sin nature hates that. Our pr that just utterly undermines our pride. You know, and so our, our flesh wants to think we have no sin, wants to think we know better than God what's right and wrong, and that we don't need him for our salvation. But that's just not true. So we need to repent when you're feeling those inclinations. 
Finally, he ends this phrase, and the, tr- the truth is not in us, if, we think, if we're thinking those li- way, along those lines. And when John says the truth, he means the big truth, the one that defines you, the one that put, causes you to act, and that's the gospel. So if you don't have that truth, yikes. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This verse is dense and amazing, so I just want to walk through it phrase by phrase. If we confess our sins, we are going to, we ought to be confessing our sins. Um, not to be snotty, but the Greek word here is hamalageo. Hama means the same. Lageo means to speak. So confession here means speaking the same thing. And it means the same thing as what? It's the same thing that God is saying. God is saying, you're sinful. When you confess, you're saying that same thing. You're saying, yes, I'm saying that same thing. I am a sinner. And that you're a sinner in need of God's redemption. Okay, that's the first phrase. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful. It's easy to read this stuff really fast and kind of miss the big picture, but this is amazing. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. Faithful to what? The answer is faithful to the covenants that he made about us long time ago. One of the ones that's in view here is in Deuteronomy 7, 9, and 10. I'll just read it here. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to those and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. So 3,000-ish years ago, the Lord gives these words to Moses. And we are included. He says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him. That's us. And keep his commandments most of the time to a thousand generations. We're one of those generations. When the Lord spoke these words to Moses, he knew your name. He knew your sin. He knew the grace that he would have for you, the penalty that he would pay for you, and the eternity that you would spend with him. This is a faithful God. So, back to 1 John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. Amen, is he faithful. And just, okay, to forgive our sins. Just, how is God just when it comes to forgiving our sins? The fact is that God sent his son to die on the cross to take the penalty for our sin. And he did that. And so, God forgives us our sin 
because the price has already been paid. If he then makes us pay the price again, that's not just. Because Christ already paid the price. So, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to his covenants, and he is just because he poured out his wrath on Jesus to forgive us our sins. Amen? You could put a period there, except for the reality of sin in our lives. So this last phrase, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when our penalty for our sin has been paid, amen, that's great. We have eternity with the Lord. But our sin is really icky. And the penalty gets paid, but we are still covered with muck from just, it's sin. And we can't cleanse ourselves of that sin. So, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, he takes care of that muck. He makes us truly clean again. And he cleanses us, which he's faithful and just to do. There's just so much in that verse. I love it. Okay, verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is, I call this the anti-confession. So he's calling us to confess our sins, and this one is the opposite of that. And when he says if we say we have not sinned, it means like ever. Like, like I am sinless from ever I was born and continuing on into the future. So if we say that, like I have no need of a Savior, we make him a liar. Because he's saying the other thing, right? The homologeo, he's saying you're a sinner. You're not saying the same thing. You're saying the opposite. So one of you is lying. And so he's saying, so John here is saying, we're telling God he's lying with this consequence. And his word is not in us. This, that last little phrase, his word is not in us, is huge. Because it doesn't just mean a word. Or even like the gospel, although that's true. This word is the logos. And for John the Apostle, the logos is the key. So the, word, the, the meaning being referenced here is what John the Apostle wrote in the Gospel of John, the very beginning of the Gospel of John. So this is John 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The logos, the word of God, is God himself. So if we say we have not sinned, we do not have God, which is a very dangerous place to be. So that's why I call this the anti-confession. So, 
Here we are at the end of the passage. Not a very long passage, but a very dense passage. So what does that mean for us today? Uh, John's encouragement for us to confess our sins means that he knows believers will sin and that we need to confess it. Therefore, the fact that we struggle with sin does not mean that we're disqualified as Christians. In fact, the fact that you struggle with sin means that you are a Christian. If you are at peace with sin, that's a big red flag. There's a problem. So, how do we confess? How do we say the same thing that God is saying about us? Number one, our sin, it can involve just us and the Lord. We can be lustful, we can be greedy, we can be whatever, and have it not really have a big impact on the people around us. And those kinds of sins, we can just go to God, say, yes, God, we're guilty of that. Forgive me. But so often, our sin involves other people. When I meet people who tell me they're Christians, but they don't like believe in organized religion or don't attend church or whatever, I say to them, do you believe that God tells us to forgive one another? And they say, of course. And I say, well, if you're not coming to church, how am I going to sin against you so you can forgive me? <laughs> like, you're never going to learn to forgive me if I never have an opportunity to sin against you. And so, when our sin affects the others around us, which it so frequently does, you have to go to that person and speak the same thing. The thing that they know. They know you hurt them. God knows you hurt them. You may have chosen to forget that you hurt them. But it needs to happen. And you need to go take it to the Lord too. And there's so much grace there, people. We have... One of the things about you guys is you're so gracious. This exact thing happened to me a couple months ago. And you guys are so gracious to forgive. And the power of God is present in those moments. And I can testify that that's 100% true. And I want to thank the person who mentioned that to me so that we could address it. And it brought to mind one of the sad realities of our sin. And that is if I sin against you, you are now hurt. I may or may not be aware of how badly I hurt you. But it needs to be addressed. One of the two parties, either me or you, is going to have to say, there's a problem. If I've chosen to forget about it, as was the case that happened with me a couple months ago, then the burden is on the hurt party to say, there's a thing here. And it's, that's very unfair because you got hurt and now you have to initiate the, the difficult conversation. So now it's like double whammy on me. Absolutely, it is. And I would encourage you guys to do that. Because otherwise there will not be healing, there will not be forgiveness, there will not be an opportunity for grace. And God is calling us to say the same thing, to confess it. 
So we Bereans, we have fellowship one another because we have confessed our sin to the Lord. We have received forgiveness. And we are walking in the light. And we need Jesus to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? And we're broken people. So forgiveness can be difficult. So if you're imagining you're about to have one of these difficult conversations and you're struggling, thinking where are you going to get the grace to extend to this person who, frankly, you don't like at this moment, I would encourage you to look at the forgiveness that you have in Christ, how you were literally his enemy. You were one of those who hates God, who from that passage in Deuteronomy 7, God will repay (laughs) those who hate him. He took us from that place and died for us so we could have, be here where we are with him and with one another today. Look at that reality and see that God is calling you to extend that grace to your brother or sister or whomever. And if you ask him to do that, he will give you the grace to forgive. So I'm, at, I'm hoping that the Lord will move powerfully in us because one of Berean's strengths is its community. And I do know most of you guys. And you guys are going toward the Lord. It's so encouraging. Um, So yeah, I don't want to keep rambling. But that's what God is calling us today. To confess, see his covenant faithfulness in our lives, and see the grace that we have available for us and forgiveness in Christ. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for this mighty work that you've done on the cross and in calling us by name to be in fellowship with you. Lord, I pray for grace and power in us today to have the courage to mend broken relationships in your power. Amen.